This episode of the Star Wars Tonight Report is brought to you by Geek Fuel, a mystery monthly box shipped right to your door, and they've got a special bonus item for Star Wars Tonight and Report listeners. Make sure you go to geekfuel.com slash Report to get your free bonus Star Wars item. And entertain art. High quality, officially licensed artwork from that galaxy far, far away, including Rogue One and, of course, The Force Awakens and so many more studios available. Make sure you get 20% off when you use code SWR20 and go to StarWarsReport.com slash art. Coming up on Star Wars Tonight Report, we're talking about the most recent addition to the theatrical galaxy. Rogue One! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome it is the official Star Wars Report review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Man, have we got a great show for you tonight. I'm so excited, I can't even contain myself. I'm not even going to lie. No idea how this is going to go. It's always a bit trepidatious, but let's dive in right now! Welcome to, uh, welcome to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So glad you've joined us for, uh, for our official review podcast. I was kind of doing the funky thing with the intro because for, of course, everybody who's watching us live at facebook.com slash Star Wars Report, we're doing a special live Facebook broadcast. Welcome, welcome. Uh, so glad you guys could tune in. And of course, to everyone listening to the Star Wars Report and everyone listening in the Star Wars Tonight feed. This is a broad, all-encompassing podcast, and there will be spoilers. So that's your upfront. I just want to get all of that out of the way right at the top of the show. Uh, but I am so excited uh, to talk some Rogue One, guys. I, I can't wait. So let's not mess around. Let's start. Uh, I want to bring uh, bring on my good buddy and yours, Mr. Mark Herleman is joining us, uh, <laughs> freezing his butt off. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. He needs to unfreeze me. He needs to unfreeze me. So cold. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really cold over here in Oregon. I uh, got uh, down to about 32 degrees all day yesterday, and today it's holding tight at 38, and uh, I'm only 42 in my uh, studio. So uh, yeah, I'm whoo, chilly. Whoo. Four layers deep. <laughs> I'll never complain. I'll never complain here in uh, Hoth-like conditions in Oregon. But but you know what? We're going to get you the warm fuzzies as we talk about Rogue One. That's right. Um, That's right. And here, by the way, a very special, special welcome. Uh, in fact, in studio, uh, you can see them at the bottom left of the screen. I want to point everyone's attention to Bruce Gibson, the producer of the show, and Bethany Blanton in studio. Welcome to the program to both of you. I almost feel like we should sing like the Sweeney sisters. <laughs> yeah, we're your backup vocals, so we just kind of sit here being... <laughs> I'm just excited that it worked out. It, 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 uh, in fact, I was nervous about the direction of the camera. Like, if I point to you, does it look like I'm looking at the opposite <laughs> direction? But it worked out. Oh, really? Um, yeah. No, it's, it's I a, even have it down, too. I'm like, I'm like, like Brady bunching it over here. Yeah, There's so if you're listening to the... Of this lady and a guy who's sitting <laughs> next to her named Bruce. Doot, 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 and we all went and saw a Rogue One story. Yeah. And we had a good time. And we'll talk about it real soon. All right. That was actually really good. I kind of want... But now you guys know what to sing before the first ad break. 
Uh, no, it's we're feeling a little goofy, if you guys can't tell. Uh, we liked the movie, but we'll get into all of that. I don't, in fact, it's kind of weird to even begin to understand where we want to start. Um, we've all seen it. Uh, uh, pretty much all of us have seen it several times. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, but I, I feel like if you, if everyone, both in the room and virtually via facebook and and you mark what would indulge me for one moment i kind of i've had one thought bursting uh since i first watched this movie and that is this i had one big takeaway from rogue one and i'm gonna fast forward all the way to the end of the film to talk about a specific moment to kick off our discussion because i can't think of any other way to start a review for rogue one than to say, walking out of that theater, Bethany and I saw it Wednesday night, which is a whole story there, but we'll get that oh, later. Yeah. Uh, Bethany and I saw it Wednesday night, and walking out, I was just bursting because fundamentally, Rogue One is about two themes. Now, you might think it's hope, right? That's what these feed into. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is about hope, but that's the obvious. There are two things about this movie that build to it. The first one is faith. And I it, it feels even weird to say that about a Star Wars movie. But the first theme that's present throughout all the film with all of the characters is a belief in something greater, in a faith in a cause worth fighting for. That's the story of this movie. But that's just the beginning. That's just the, these are your first steps. Uh, that's just the very, very core kernel because built on that is the courage to do something about it. That's the story of Rogue One. You have characters who not only have the belief, not only have the cause, but have courage courage and that's not just to say like oh they fight the bad guys and and you know this if you if you've enjoyed and loved the mythology of star wars as much as i have you know what this is that that courage is doing something even if you're terrified and that's literally what this movie is about it's about the technological wait for it terror uh that the death star is and facing that head on and you know what that's most encapsulated like those are the things that give birth to hope you know the famous line in the at the in the film is rebellions are built on hope it's so good but right at the end those themes faith courage and hope uh are what build to the scene with vader because everyone like at the end and again and, guys and spoilers um, put in right here yes spoilers throughout yeah I, I, i'm gonna keep saying it because like if people tune in live and stuff yeah I, well i, I did tag I don't the video as well why you're listening to this if you've downloaded it and you yeah. haven't seen the movie but but, so. but yeah so spoilers for, for here on out but but again building on on courage and faith into giving birth to hope is what that Vader scene is about at the end. That's where I have to start this. Because when you think about it, it's yes, it's awesome to see Vader go to town, right? Uh, and, and, and slaughter some rebels, right? It's amazing. Uh, the theater cheered the first time we watched it. It was great. We're going we're gonna to break that and so many more scenes down. But at its core of that scene is the fact that Gareth Edwards has already concluded the stories like how I put it that way, concluded the stories of the almost the entire cast of the Rebels. But even at that point, hope has not died. The faith and courage is still there with the nameless, faithless, faithless, <laughs> faceless, the nameless and faceless, yet incredibly courageous Rebel soldiers desperately passing the chip, the hard-won plans to the Death Star from one to the other, desperately making an escape and sacrificing themselves to the greatest evil in the galaxy just for the chance, just for the hope within Rogue One. And I've been waiting four days to say that. I feel like I'm just going to stop now. 
That's it. That's all I've got to say about Rogue One. I'm done, guys. No, that's it. Uh, come in where you want. That's that's my big takeaway from the film. Anyone, anyone jump in. Oh, goodness. So Rogue One was one of those films, and I know a number of people who've said this, where even us hardcore Star Wars fans were a little like, can it just be episode eight, please? Uh-huh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we looked forward to Rogue One. We were excited about it. We were excited about it in the way that we'd be excited about a general other movie that was coming out that we were kind of excited to see. And building up to it, I started getting more and more excited, but I started getting more nervous too. And it it took time. It took time to really get into the idea of this is a Star Wars movie that I'm going to see. I am very excited about it. And then when I walked into the theater excited and a little worried and nervous because I had never done a pre-screening before. But uh, when I walked out of it, I was just, I, I looked down at my feet to see if my socks were still on because, boy, howdy, I thought they'd been blown off. So yeah. were, were your socks still on? <laughs> Amazingly and surprisingly, yes. <laughs> I thought, no, I, they disappeared. Like, I don't know where <laughs> those things went, man. Uh, Mark, I want, I want you to come in because you and I had a conversation. on. This is the first movie where I found myself throughout the whole weekend just calling all of my Star Wars friends, like at different points. <laughs> Mark, I watched your Facebook, and I, I don't know what your profile settings are, but make that video public because we need to embed it in the show notes. I watched your Facebook live stream right after you just watched it with Gavin, right? Yeah. What was yeah. your reaction? Well, I, I wasn't expecting to watch it. I mean, I was in that camp of, I had a fundraiser going on and I should have been working that almost all the way till nine at night. And I wasn't going to get to watch it till Sunday. And mm. that put me in a funk, oh. man. Oh, I bet. Like, I was, even when my wife's like, you should really go and watch it. I, lo- I love that Bruce is looking up at me right now. That's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but my wife's like, you should go watch it. You know, take Gavin, treat yourselves. You know, you guys work really hard. And I'm like, look at the clock. I'm like, all right, if we get in the car and go right now, we can make it. Uh, so I called the theater because, you know, for me, I get to go and watch it for free, but only if it's not sold out. So I'm like, I call up real quick. I'm like, hey, is it sold out? They're like, well, 3D's only got about 50 seats out of 150. I'm like, really? Okay. So we went down there and it wasn't that full. I think that was the thing that surprised me between the first and second day. There was a lot more people the second day. Yeah. But that first day, it was like very few people there. But I was by far and away floored. And for the first time in my history with Lucasfilm, I felt like I was totally catered to. I was like, all the favorite things that I've been hoping to get from this movie happen. We got Chopper in in a base. We got a a proven reason why we have the flaw in the Death Star. I mean, there were so many little things like that that I was just, I was giddy about. And I think the fact that Galen put the flaw in there and that was the whole plan now, that, I think, was one of the things that I was hoping that we'd get in a, a side plot in Tarkin. But my God, man, I mean, people talk about how it changed A New Hope. A New Hope, I went and I watched that l- this morning after I watched it last night with Taylor. And A New Hope now feels like a uh, dark journey after Star by Star in the New Jedi Order. Like, things have just changed. So much has changed for me. And as Bethany put, I was I was more hoping for Episode Eight. And this has got me just completely, I mean, I've said it on my Facebook page and all over the place. This is the best Star Wars film ever. Mm. Uh, I'm curious how people that have only saw this would view it. Because for me, it plays off of everything I love about Star Wars and the expanded universe. The aspect of picking on those threads and playing through it. But like, I still sit here and I'm like, Han Solo movie. I don't really, I'm not that excited for that one. It's more episode eight still. But I'm like, this movie's proved them standalone films can knock me right out the water. Yeah, no, it's, it's... uh... I love this movie so much. It's not even fair. I can't no. I can't even 
coherently critique this film. And I felt weird about it. Like, because when I came out of The Force Awakens, there was a lot I was processing, a lot that I came to recognize and appreciate, and then some specific elements that um, uh, I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about this with Matt Rushing. Uh, from the 602 Club. I believe he's in the chat. I think I saw him there. Yes. Um, yes, he is. Yeah, so, he wants to know we that were... you're drinking that coffee instead of uh, something else. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a, it's deli- a delicious uh, cappuccino cocktail, if you will. Uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. Um, no, no. So we, we were talking about it, and with there's the, the post-Force Awakens processing for me was a, was, A, it was a long process, but B, I just didn't come out of that film uh, giddy, which I guess you wouldn't because it's The Force Awakens and it's like, you know. Oh, man, I was smiling from my start to end. I was totally giddy. Gavin was like, that ending was kind of a bummer. Uh, it, but it was tough, man. It was tough. And there was so much new stuff so so different. It was the characters we love in a totally transformed universe. Here, it's the universe we love uh, with totally transformed uh, story in a way that I was not expecting. I... I noticed because, uh, and you always see this, there's the, there are the various critiques of the film that I've already kind of seen popping around online. And there's some that I've come to agree with. But when it comes to this review that we're about to do, that we're in the process of doing, I can't help but think to myself that none of the problems that I've heard or seen with this film are ones that I thought about while I was watching it. I can't say that for The Force Awakens. Um, mm-hmm. But I can certainly say that here. Um there's so much. All right, Bruce, let's get you in on this. Let's get your thoughts, your overall thoughts, your biggest reaction. What was, what were you thinking coming out of the film? I came out of it knowing that I loved the movie, where when I came out of The Force Awakens, I knew I liked the movie, but I felt like I had to see it again. I was still processing, but when I came out of this one, or Rogue One, I was like, I know that I love this movie. And yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that this movie to me is a love letter to star wars fans yeah where the force awakens is really just a template to start new uh trilogy new movies going beyond yep yep what we've known to be star wars so this was like coming back home and finding you know it's like going home and you find something there that you didn't know you had there for years like you're you know something that was your parents or something that you didn't know that they had or something you had as a kid you forgot about. That's how this movie felt like. It's felt yeah. like something that I should have seen years ago. And now it's like, ooh, I discovered something long lost that's been hidden away. It's always been right there with a, with a yeah. new hope. Yeah, it's, I, I liked it so much. I, I mean, I don't even really know where to go from there. Let, let's kind of Well, I do. I know exactly right. where to go to there. Right, One take of us the things there. that jumped right out to me throughout this, and it started right at the beginning is the camera angles. I mean, we see great shots of ships flying in space, planets. We see when the U-Wing lands on Jeddah, we see a great shot through a rock keyhole. Uh, The rings of that planet when we come up on it, and the prison planet itself sitting in the fog. I mean, there were so many moments like that where I was just like, I have got to start watching more Gareth Edwards movies. I mean, this man has just catapulted himself to the top of my list of people I want directing more stuff. Oh, absolutely. There's, um, yeah, the cinematography is new but old in, in a way that really makes me very attached to this movie. In fact, um, uh, Bruce, what did you think? I, I don't know. I, because it's, I, I feel, it feels weird to say because with The Force Awakens, and it's, guys, just a, just a brief pause here. It's really hard. I've seen, I've seen the things on Twitter. I've seen you guys. I've seen it be like, well, it's, t- it's two totally different films. 
You can't compare one to the, I'm sorry, I can't I can't help it. I just <laughs> saw a brand new Star Wars movie a year ago. And then I just now saw another brand new Star Wars movie. I am only human. It is very difficult not to make the comparisons. We will try to limit it a bit, but I think it's just hard not to have that context for the film. So when it comes See, that's to that's interesting because I have I mean, I only aside from the initial how was my reaction to it, I've been kind of I'm so beyond that right now. Like yeah. I like the aspect of what it changes, and I'm still like, well, maybe episode seven will get even better with what we reveal about Ray. But I like the fact that this is like a close. I mean, talk about a standalone film. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it is true, and it is very very different. I think in some ways. Well, let's just ask it on its on its own uh, on its own merits, Bruce. What did you think of the film in terms of as we went through and we learned the characters, we learned about Cassian Andor and and Jin and Bodhi Rook. As we saw that beginning kind of montage, it is a different film. Walk me through your thoughts specifically on that beginning from the totally different way it starts to a character montage. We got a character montage in a Star Wars movie. I was prepared for No Crawl because that's what I've been hearing about, but I know yeah. a lot of people who didn't know that complain that they really missed The Crawl, that they were expecting it there, that that's what pumps them up for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm in that boat. I, I'm okay with ditching the, the numerals, you know, getting away from episode this and that, but I still feel like The Crawl is part of that integral formula that Lucas gave us. Now, you don't have to make it big. You don't need to make it bombastic, but... I think that for me, that was like the one thing I came away with going. That was the only thing missing was the crawl. Yeah, it's uh, and would, by the way, if that's what you're uh, if that's the biggest complaint that we have about this movie, like that's a pretty yeah. good thing. Because yeah. Yeah. like from the beginning, it jumps straight into uh, a sequence where we are introduced to a young, of course, a young Jen or so uh, and and her family, her family. And we mm -hmm. get that kind of family element that's so familiar to us as Star Wars fans. That idea of it's it's her parents protecting her, and there's a greater destiny for her. She just doesn't know it yet. And you get that same sense with Luke Skywalker at the beginning, and the same sense with Rey. So there's a there's a a thematically familiar element there in the first act of the film. However, what's very different is that you know in in A New Hope they didn't smash cut to. Uh, let's just say Big Starclider uh, snapping some dude's neck just because he thought he might spill the beans. We suddenly mm -hmm. get uh, Cassie Nahendor just point blank just going kapow! Uh, oh man, when that scene happened, my daughter Taylor was so upset. Oh. She was like, I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to like him anymore. I'm like, uh. he's supposed to be a dark character. And when they when they had that scene when he shows up uh at the end with all the rest of the group to become the Rogue One crew. Yeah. And he says, you know, we've all done dark things for the rebels, you know, for the rebellion, killers, assassins, saboteurs, and stuff. Like that made it more that was the redeeming moment for her like that that light bulb went off in her little teenage mind and i think for me like that was really cool to take both my kids i'll be taking my wife literally as soon as this is over i'm uh, going to picking her up from work oh, and i know her. by the way yeah. so mark said a little less than an hour right now till he has to leave but he has a good excuse because he's taking his dearly beloved <laughs> to see this movie for the first time right Yep. Yep. Nice. Yep. I'm doing. I'm literally going every single day until I get to my dad. And I'm going to see if my mom wants to go on Thursday or uh, Tuesday even. Nice. I'm just nice. bam, 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 taking one a day. I'm like, Mark, I got to do it. I don't even care. Mark, nice. do you do the thing where when you take somebody to see a movie, they haven't seen it, and you have, and you like <laughs> surreptitiously look over at them to get their reaction? Like, <laughs> you mean, yeah. You mean like and, Riley and was doing to me? where to look I, yes. on the screen? 
I, what was that, Bruce? Oh, I. <laughs> Riley was doing that to me because he'd already seen the movie, and then sitting next to me, he kept looking at me and going, huh? "I was too." Huh? So, like, me and Riley were sitting with a group of people seeing it for the second time. He was sitting on one end, and I was sitting almost on the entire opposite end of the group. And like, both of us were like the sandwich of peepers, where we're just like, <laughs> uh, "Well, so so Riley calls me right before I went to watch it the second time with my daughter, and I'm in the middle of my scouting fundraising thing, and we start dishing about." spoilers and taylor walks up behind me and she's waiting because she's being polite i'm on the phone and i turn around and i'm like and then it was general sandula and her eyes get big she goes you're talking about the movie and she turns and runs off and she's covering her ears i was just like i told you i i left the room for a reason come on because she was she did her hardest to stay spoiler free she had a friend that got to see Uh it on the the uh advanced showing and he came to school and was about to spoil her and she's like i will punch you i'm like yes so so for her like this is her force awakens man she is that got her geared up like i had a really fun time taking her to that i mean gavin was just processing it all but taylor she was like engaged you know because she started doing the padawan's perspective podcast this year so she knows what's going on with the rebels you okay. know, she knows well, some me, stuff about the clone wars this is we, me and gavin watched episodes of the clone wars with saw Gerrera beforehand but i didn't do that with taylor but afterwards she was like we got to watch those episodes i want to know more about saw now and i'm like well he's coming to rebels <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it's it's again it's very hard not to just talk about this movie for me without yeah. just saying and then this scene happened and that was really cool and then, and this, then this scene, scene happened, happened and that then was this awesome and then did you well, see when he did the thing and oh it's hard not to do yeah. that for me just because i liked almost every part of this movie uh bruce give us some kind of so you just took uh took your kids to see it last night uh, we saw it Friday night. Friday night. What was the? What were the big takeaways doing this kind of as a family event? Like, what parts of the film did you notice there? Um, they really liked uh, seeing Tarkin uh, uh, and the big battle at the end. I mean, that's all I heard about was the battle. They just kept talking about that. That last man. That last twenty minutes is. I mean, the, the whole last final act is is so good um, that. The, uh, it's flawless. It's it's um I'm trying to I'm rolling through my mind. I really do I truly believe the final act of Return of the Jedi is the greatest final act of any Star Wars film. It was. Uh and and, and uh, you're saying it was? It was. I'm I'm agreeing with Bruce. I think what? that this takes the best things about Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back combines them. I I I keep saying this is the best Star Wars film ever. And that's the reason for me why. This is the Star Wars Report podcast. Oh, we would yeah. be honored if you would join us. Mm. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Want to take a brief time out to thank our sponsor for this podcast episode. They've been supporting us for throughout this entire process of the lead up to Rogue One, and we do thank them. It's Geek Fuel. Now, Geek Fuel is a monthly subscription box that you can subscribe to and get a box of awesome geeky goodies to surprise you every month. Uh, they include posters, T-shirts, and all kinds of themed items that you wouldn't even think of. And it's amazing. So here's what you need to do. You need to head to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. That's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. And they will give you a free bonus Star Wars item with your first purchase. Each box has a guaranteed $50 of value for just $15 plus shipping and handling. We do appreciate Geek Fuel for continuing to support us. Make sure you check them out. It's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. 
dude, it's it's not the best ever for me. And 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 again, we're not not because you know they're all different, but uh, for for me, like Return of the Jedi, I I don't particularly like the first act. So like, it's never went way up at the top. But man, this I knew the second I watched this, this was in my top three films. Not be not because. I, you know, the first thing I think of when I get out of a stars movie is how I'm going to rank it, but because I think that does provide <laughs> some context and conversation as at least as a starting point um, to to discuss the film. Uh, yeah. We're going to roll through the characters here. Uh, I, th- I think that's the best way to kind of roll through this, um, roll through the review one by one because it's interesting. I um because that's that's the way we'll do this review, but I don't really feel I don't really watch. Rogue One and think of the characters as the driving force. In fact, that's what I would call a weakness of kind of how little we get to know about some of the backstories for them. And it's a little harder to sympathize with, for example, I always use the Guardians of the Galaxy comparison. Where with Guardians of the Galaxy, when you watch it right in the first 10 minutes of the movie, actually in the trailer uh, to the movie, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> do it, do it. Get it out of your system. Yeah, I can't help myself. When I saw the trilaw, uh, where's Steel Saunders when he this could be. Um, but even uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy, you know that Star Lord's motivation, his 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 past that defines him, is is uh it's basically the fact that his father abandoned him and his mother died when he was young and he was kidnapped. Uh, and same thing with like Gamora. Uh, you understand that, you know, she's at odds with her sister and abandoned by her father. And then you understand that Drax the Destroyer's family died, right? And like none of these are spoilers, by the way, because you can see them in the trailer because they're establishing who these characters are. The interesting mm-hmm. thing about Rogue One, and, and this is a nuance. This is not like actually that much of a criticism for me. I have heard it as a as a as a negative criticism, but for me, like you don't find out uh, you know, you don't really get any context about Cassian Andor having lost everything until, you know, as he says in the movie, until like the, the third act, like towards the yeah. end of the movie. Uh, same thing, like you don't really, you don't see the conversation between Galen Erso and Bodhi Rook where he decides to defect. Like that would have been powerful context for him as a character. And when I say that out loud, I'm thinking, yeah, that would have been great to see. But you know, the more important uh, point for me is I didn't notice it. Because the story is not how fleshed out the characters are, which makes me feel really weird to say about a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the story is the cause. The yeah, story, the, event. the story of Rogue One, is the is the cause for which they fight and for the greater stand these characters are taking. And so when we go through these this this uh, review character by character, it, we have to talk about each one in that context. So well, and See, I remember you had said you had said something about faith being a prevalent theme. And on my second viewing, I noticed during the flashback scene that Jen heard her mom say two words, trust and Galen. And that became an in- integral part of her thing. I mean, when they lose the recording, she's the only one that can prove it and it, she's in a really tenuous spot. Like I really enjoyed yeah. the way that 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 she went from not caring about the rebellion to realizing that her father sacrificed everything for her and that he had planned something in this to destroy it. And when everyone else is losing hope, she's able to rise above and, and point them all to the fact like we can do this if we all work together. And, you know, we see that in Rebels, like they're starting to work together, but not to a level like we see here. And I think that was one of the things that really just floored me when I was like watching that second time. I'm like, did she just say trust Galen? Holy cow, that plays so well. 
Yeah, it's 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 tough. So let's let's start off with uh, the Ursos, specifically uh, uh, Jin. In the context of how we meet her, Bethany, um, what are your thoughts on Jin throughout the film? Jin is my favorite character in the film, uh, and this this is in part because, unlike Ray, we don't necessarily see a lot of the motivations that she has as a character outside of her family's death. Because at some point, like many of the other characters, she throws herself into the cause. She is willing to sacrifice everything that she has left uh, in order to not get revenge, but get justice for her parents and to stop the spread of the evil empire throughout the galaxy. Yeah. No, it's... Bruce? I like gin with some tonic. Um, (laughs) It really goes down well. All right. All right. Uh, But... (laughs) But Jen, I really enjoy Jen. If, as a matter of fact, I probably enjoy <laughs> Felicity Jones' performance and her acting more so than the character itself. Uh, I thought she brought a lot of strength to the character. Uh, I thought it. she's probably the most established character of the film. Uh, but, you know, she knows how to kick some butt mm-hmm. and... Uh, she uh, goes through some changes to the point that she's able to sacrifice and rebel. Yeah. No. Uh, Mark? Oh, oh, we got you muted. Sorry. Uh, I'll have to... There I think go. for me with Jin, it's one of those things. I was reading Catalyst before I went into it, and I just... I want to know more about her time with Saw. Uh, you know, when she was left and, and the way she seemed so bitter about it and yet easy to forgive him, like she understood it because he was like, you were my best soldier. They knew your father was an imperial scientist. They were going to use you as, as a hostage. Like, I did that for you. You were more than capable to handle it on your own. And by the time we get to that point, we've seen her be more than capable. I mean, we see that one scene where she grabs the blaster and she's running and she like shoots it from her hip while barely moving. My, my, my daughter's like, did she just shoot him in the butt? I'm like, I think she did. I think she totally did. <laughs> and then the stormtrooper was like, I believe it was voiced by David Collins actually, was like, she got nice. my butt. <laughs> That's how Money I shot. Uh, yes. No, it's... <laughs> Yeah, she's so. Um, it's interesting because uh, I, I really f- uh, was a af- not afraid. Don't be afraid. Uh, but I was a little bit um, uh, taken aback in some of the marketing material, just how serious she was as a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really, uh, I really think that, that she delivered on a level where Jin is defined by her loss and. And it takes it takes a, it's a long road to get to where she is to fight on behalf of the rebellion, and it's not even the noblest of circumstances. It's the traditional Campbellian hero's journey, where like she buys into it, like, well, I guess since the rebellion freed me, I'm going to do this one mission for him. But when when she confronts Sagarera, he's like, she so what do you even, think? What do you she believe? She doesn't even do it for that though. She only does it because she knows they'll throw her right back to the Imperials. Yeah, and that she freaking doesn't. clone turbo tank. Which by the, which, by the way. <laughs> I just love that thing. Um, I just love the fact... Mm, I just want to stop for a second and just appreciate that establishing shot where we see... I believe it's the Wabani labor camp was the name of the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. The fact that there's an Imperial labor camp. Like, we knew that from the expanded universe, but man, you just see it mm-hmm. on the screen. It was great. Uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> I just... I got lost. Rogue One. Uh, clone turbo tanks are the best. Uh, so, so, like, she's defined by her loss, but... And it takes her a while to get there, and she has that defining moment. Now, for Luke, it may have been, you know, his aunt and uncle burning alive. 
For Jen, maybe it was an entire city burning alive, but maybe they both <laughs> had their motivation and their kind of awakening moment and took off to, to go fight the bad guys. That's like that's one reason why I really like Jen as a character is not necessarily... Be, I mean, she would make a scary friend, right? Like, you'd just be like, <laughs> please don't kill me when we have arguments. But uh, she... I love the character of Luke, but his character is so pure and naive on top of that. I love the character of Rey. Her character is so pure, but I would not say that she's naive. I, w- I would say the opposite. She's a bit she's a bit jaded, but still hopeful. Uh, but she has a very pure character. Jin is a bit more murky. Uh, uh-huh. She she's a good person overall, but she won't hesitate to kill ha- harm or steal if she has to. Basically. Wait, what make, what makes you think she's a good person? Because in the end, she makes the right choice. But in the beginning, she's not a good person? In the beginning, I would say uh, from the side of light to dark, she's gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, it's, it, it is because it is a character's journey, but it's not exactly like... The, it's not the Han Solo rogue turned uh, heart of gold. It's a very different kind of journey for her. Well, she was... I mean, think about what Mon Mothma said about Saw's uh, group. They were extremists. She was the best hey, of an extremist group. Yeah. On your own since the age of 15. Oh, wait, that wasn't in the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, you know, that was one thing that, that threw me off, too, was when Mon Mothma talks to Bail about his Jedi friend. Like, didn't that seem like they'd had conversations before? I mean, she just brought that up out of nowhere. Like, how does she know that Bail's got a Jedi friend that he's been hiding? And, oh, that's I mean, a high... <laughs> I was like, this is a setup for something. He Clearly, bra- like, no, Kanan's no, gonna no. run into you Kenobi how, or something here. You know how this <laughs> happens. He probably brags about it at parties. He's like, I don't want to, I don't want to show off, but I got a Jedi. You know, I know there's almost none left, but I got a, I got a good friend who's a Jedi hiding out. I don't want to say where. I don't want to say where. <laughs> but he's, it's. A- and then there's the whole reference of the Guardians of the Wills. I missed the word Wills the first time. I thought oh, the really? Guardians were their oh, own little wow. force group. But I caught that on the second time and dang near did a backflip in my seat. <laughs> well, and I loved the fact yes. that, so they're temple guards, but they're not necessarily force sensitive, are they? Um, because they're just guard not the temple. Not necessarily. Yeah. It, it, and they lewd at it where, you know, because there was that moment where Chirrut's looking at the door and Baze is like, he's trying to open the door. When he was first doing that, I'm one with the force, the force is with me. I'm one with the force, the force is with me. When they're sitting in that cell. Yeah. And, you know, that's when he's like, are you guys Jedi? And then Baze is like, well, there's no Jedi here on Jedi anymore. But that could also mean like with, with Kanan, like, or even Ahsoka, where they just chose to walk away from that life. I mean, you know, we really don't know what the Guardians of the Wills necessarily means in canon. This is the Star Wars Report Podcast. That's two you owe me, Junior. Oh, uh, yeah. In Rogue 2. What's up, everybody? It is the Star Wars Report Podcast. So glad you're tuning in to our Rogue One review. Woo! Uh, but we couldn't be doing it without the folks supporting us. And of course, that includes uh, our other sponsor for today. And that's, of course, Entertain Art Official. Licensed and ready to hang wall art from Star Wars, Disney, Marvel, and much more. Of course, most importantly right now, Rogue One. They've got an amazing selection 
of Rogue One artwork that you need to check out. Go to StarWarsReport.com slash art, and that takes you directly to their website. It's run by a passionate and creative team of people who do a great job printing this stuff on high-quality canvas in a beautiful frame, a wood frame that they mount uh, the the, uh, canvas to. They sent us some samples. It's amazing. And again, they have some incredible exclusive artwork as well. Embellished products, more than a 1,000 designs, and most importantly... A discount code. That's right. If you're doing that last-minute Christmas shopping for uh, that Star Wars fan in your life that you're thinking of, but you think they might have a lot, well, how about some awesome, original, beautifully designed Star Wars art? Uh, At a discount, use SWR20 uh, when you check out at entertainart.com, and they're giving you 20% off. StarWarsReport.com slash art. StarWarsReport.com slash art. And we thank Entertain Art for sponsoring the Star Wars Report podcast. Back to the show. I think this is a good transition because it's it's kind of already happening. Let's talk about Bayes and Chirrut because there's a saying um, that I love that says, it's an old saying, fortune favors the bold. And mm-hmm. I always liked that because not only is it a great, great life advice uh, and very catchy, it's great for a bumper sticker, but also it sort of reminds me of uh, Chirrut. And Bayes, because they are b- both certainly bold, but Chirrut's faith in the Force is is such a stunning co- contrast with Bayes, but yet the Force favors them and and, the, and smiles upon their their luck. Right? Han Solo would call it luck, but about the time, and it's kind of hinted at here and there, right? Where you know they're just kind of seen as troublemakers and Force worshippers and whatever, but we don't really, you know, they're not actually sensitive. And he's a gun for hire. He's just a crazy, but. And there's a there's a certain point at the film where where it, especially towards the end, I'm the force. The force is with me, and he walks across the line of fire, and you see nothing hits him. And it's not because yeah. he's doing some crazy force technique. It's because uh, you get a, a sense, at least for me, when I watch it, that the force. It's the will of the force. Uh, and well, he's t- and also terribly aiming aiming you sword know, troopers. You know what? Yeah, because I... we saw him do that at the beginning too, when he went running through them all with the cane, and he stomps on that guy's foot. Does that hurt? And he's like holding the guy up. I mean, we were talking with some people on online today about whether or not that stormtrooper is getting pierced with the bullets or not. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion they're not, because one thing Gareth Edwards seemed to do is every time a bullet pierced the armor, you'd see this really cool little red ring. I mean, even when we see K get it at the end. Oh, oh yeah. God, that was when I started. Tearing up at that moment, oh, I'm like, okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah, you know, a, we're, we're, we're going to see some some bad stuff here. We'll get. We'll and get my daughter that. was pretty crushed at that I, too. Oh, I bet. I bet. Chirrut, uh, yeah. Chirrut is a very, very close second favorite character to Jen for me, and part of it is that faith that you see. But in him, I see someone who all of the horrible things in life that have very obviously happened to him, that have happened to Jedha, that have happened to the temple and to the the Guardians as a whole, has not made him cynical. It, it's made him realize that, yes, there are bad things and they need to be dealt with, and life life in this empire is risky business for somebody who is a guardian of the wills. And so he's careful, but mm. he's not cynical. And mm. what I like in Jin is that she may be very cynical at first, but she transitions into through that hero's journey to being somebody who believes that this is a cause worth giving her life for. Uh, and Chirrut all along though has remained steadfastly faithful and yet he doesn't judge his best friend 
for not being so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All is as the will foresees. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's... Well, Chariot's my favorite, just yes. to t- let you know. Oh, really? He's Why? my favorite. No way. Well, because I just think he's... I think it's just interesting the fact that he does trust in the force. I think there's something there in the guardian guardian of the wills that I want to learn more about. Mm -hmm. So my point is the fact that he's invested in something that I want to learn more about makes me more interested in the character. There's nothing that the other characters really carry with them that I want to know more about. But with him, I do want to know how he has got that skill. The trust Mm -hmm. in the force is he sensing the force just doesn't have the ability to control or manipulate the force, but he can sense what the force wants to do. Yeah. For me, it was Baze and, and similar reasoning. I mean, Baze seemed to have an uncanny natural ability to just lock on to everybody. He never missed. You know, he took everyone out. And even when he got really close to, to cheer it, he was like, you know, I'm saving you. You know, like I, I love the the back and forth with those guys. And so many times this film for me, it, it paralleled the Magnificent Seven and the way that shows cast and ensemble played through it. Like I felt like he was the the Ethan Hawke character and you know him and them both dying in the bell tower kind of thing. You know, that that was very reminiscent for me in that regard. And and that was like the only slight criticism I had aside from No Crawl was that I wish they had more time to shine. But again it rocked. It rocked on so many levels. Yeah, it's a, yeah. No, absolutely. I I'm I'm trying to. Hmm. The greatest stars have. You know, Mark. I've been thinking about the crawl thing because uh, that was the only thing that actually made me unhappy about anything in the movie. I mean, there there are a few things that I thought, oh, this might could have been done slightly better. But the only thing mm-hmm. that I thought, man, I wish this was different was the lack of the crawl, and that's because I sat in the theater for the first eight minutes trying to recover. <laughs> from the fact that there was no crawl, even though I knew that it wasn't there before I watched yeah. it, just I, like I was, ex- I was expecting it. My soul was expecting that music. My eyes were expecting those words, mm-hmm. even though I knew that it wasn't going to be there. But then I thought, you know what I really, that expectation uh, makes it weird. Like if you take, if you taste what you think is a piece of chocolate cake, and it's red velvet with chocolate icing. You're going to be like, what? Do you have Even any? You like nice. both. Well, when it said it Rogue One and the stars were kind of like, you saw a couple of them shooting away fast. I'm like, oh, that's good. Okay, I can dig that. I like that. Yeah. But, but, funny is but even- the thing is that I think after we see one or two more films without a crawl, that it'll be yeah. fine. Like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. I'll be totally fine with it. I, and, and I yeah. was really one that wanted a crawl. But then when I learned there wasn't going to be one, the more I thought about it, I thought there shouldn't they, be one. They teased us out too, as far as the music. It's like, dun dun, well, dun dun dun, and then it was different. So, okay, here's the things that I like, and then what I didn't like. But it, it believe me, the what I didn't like is not a big deal. So, I love the fact that the movie starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. I want to see that in every Star Wars movie. I was fine that there was no crawl. Mm. because a crawl I don't think will work in a Han Solo movie or a Boba Fett movie it would work with this movie but for any other spinoffs it may not Mm. so it's probably good that we didn't have a crawl so we can get used to it but the thing I didn't like was the title card saying Rogue One and didn't have Star Wars mentioned at all in that I was hoping it would say like Star Wars Rogue One yeah but it was just Rogue One no good way to get around the Star Wars story though because I was wondering are they going to keep that or not 
Yeah, because that would be kind of odd. Rogue yeah. wa- a Star Wars. <laughs> I should do a Star Wars <laughs> story. That'd be kind of goofy. Um, yeah, it's but yeah, I think you're right, Bruce. I think it would feel a little bit awkward. Yeah, and I loved the. You know what it reminded me of? Now that especially now that I've seen it twice, it's the um, the 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 hit of the orchestra and the smash cut to the planet with like the trilling mm-hmm. strings that begin it. It's it's like Flash Gordon. It's like an old serial mm-hmm. where the establishing establishing shots just like boom and then you're in on well, it. Well, it's like the other movies because when the Star Wars logo comes out, it's, I mean, it's it jolts you and then yeah. they're still doing it even if we don't have that crawl. In, in fact, if I had known that was coming, in fact, I, I, if I'd done this Thursday night after having seen it Wednesday, I, what I should have done is just like the dead silence of the first cymbal clash sound of the whole orchestra is just go, oh God! <laughs> just in the middle of the theater. I think that would be hilarious. Um, I was playing the soundtrack in the car on the way to the movie with my kids. Yes. And when nice. I started it and that came on, Madison's like, that scared me. And I'm like, well, now you're prepared for the movie. <laughs> so I saw the ghost in this show about six times, but I did not see it parked in the Avon base. I saw Chopper I- once. My daughter said she saw him a second time, but she didn't see him that first time. Did you? And then there was the General Sindula. Do you guys notice any other Rebels little Easter eggs out there that I missed so far. Cause those, I think for me, every time I saw the ghost, I was fist pumping. Uh, you know, I was pointing, <laughs> I think it was like the one guy up at the front of the screen. Everybody's like, I'm Oh, sure. he knows something's going on. <laughs> I'm sure you're the most popular guy in the theater, Mark. <laughs> no, no, it's, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. There were a lot of great, uh, Easter eggs. You know what? I will say those of my favorite Easter egg, and then we'll get back to the characters, but I, I did have a favorite Easter egg. It was on Jetta. And it's we learned something, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know what makes Obi Wan super hardcore in A New Hope? It's not the fact that he used his lightsaber, right? Even though that was amazing uh, when he slaughtered the uh, cantina patrons, uh, at least their arms. But the amazing thing that we've learned is that his his opponent at the cantina in Moss Eisley Spaceport, you will ever find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Um, we must be cautious. Sorry, guys. I have, I, I'm, it's hard not to help. But here's the here's the point for this for this cameo. What we've learned, what this movie has informed us about the A New Hope Obi Wan in that cantina is that he defeated the pair, the man who not only had the death sentence on twelve systems, he escaped a death sentence on a on a system. <laughs> Think about it. The entire city blew up. Yeah. Honda Baba is the like these these guys are the cockroaches of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> they survived a Death Star blast to a city. Uh, so now we know. <laughs> uh, all, right, I, all right, I do have a an interjection question for all of you because this is something I just put in the Twitter and I also put it in our Facebook uh, comment section for the live feed. What is your walking, literally walking out of the theater room from seeing Rogue One the first time, what was your one word reaction? Oh, this is such a challenge. Because mine, I, mine was easy for me. I was stunned. Like I just walked out of there and I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I was, I was surprised, but and and stunned, but that doesn't really fully encompass it. You know, if I were to just pick one word, um, uh, I would say floored. I was floored. I don't know how popular that word is outside of the South, but I was beaming. Yeah, yeah, but floor, s- stunned in the most positive of ways, uh, just because of what I had just seen. I was just—it's so good, so good. Uh, Mark, you want to take a stab at it? 
Yeah, I was beaming. I was yeah. I was grinning ear to ear all the way through that movie. And I think that was the one thing that I, I really noticed. Uh, I mean, when I watched The Force Awakens, I was caught up in the drama, the emotion of it. You know, I mean, when when Han Solo has his fate in that movie, I was in tears, you know, even though I saw things happening in this and I knew, you know, certain people were probably not going to be making it out. And I was begging on our old episodes for everyone to die. So like when it was happening, like I was I was smiling because I was like, oh, my God, like everything I've wanted in this movie is happening. I, I uh, could not yeah. believe that. I have never felt like I called so many things, but not calling them. Cause I was never calling them like this has to happen. It was like, I would love to see this happen. And then when it was actually coming true, I'm like, so this is what it feels like when they cater to you as a fan. I had forgotten as an EU fan. <laughs> All right, Bruce, you want to give us one word? Walking into the theater, the word was popcorn because I was craving it, but, but I was good. I didn't order it. When I left the theater, the word would be impressed. Uh. I think I was very impressed with this movie more so than I thought I would be. Uh, I liked it better than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, and then the visuals and they w the way they worked in the CG characters, I was just very awesome. impressed overall with everything. We're getting some in the chat. Wow. Draining. Expletive. Hope. Heartbreak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, that it's a good, it's a fun exercise. In fact, like I was listening, my my uh, tablet is, is across the room on its charger, and I forgot to put it on silent. So, like off in the distant corner, I don't know if it's coming into the soundboard. But a few minutes ago, Bethany, when you tweeted that out, it was literally yeah. like tweet, 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 as it went off. Um, with the I heard an old man leave, and I know what his word was. <laughs> oh, what, and what is that? Bathroom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, yeah, it's no, um, you, the ones that I'm typically getting because we've already gotten. 30 plus tweets or more uh awestruck what are we saying awesome amazing there was actually a floored you were not the only what? one with floored yeah nice and it is typical but also vader is a common one and k2so is a common one see and i kept hearing everybody go oh that vader scene and i i did i didn't understand where everyone was coming from because when they first showed vader in that little box to tank i was like oh like I was like, were they talking that one, or were they talking when the nah, hallway nah. got even darker and it was like Matthew Stover's describing yeah, Sidious and, and Yoda, the and then all of a sudden he was right there in the midst of it all, and they're like, no, when he walked through the ship, cutting everybody down. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course it was that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's um, man. I have to ask you a quick question about that because all of us, I think, knew the rumors of the Vader scene before we went in to see the movie. Did that up? or down your expectations in a way that you liked or didn't like just knowing that there was this scene that people were talking about. I didn't realize that's what they were talking about. I just thought they were yeah, like, I, didn't know. I thought I, when, when we see the scene of him walking towards Krennic, I thought that was going yeah, to be no, the big Vader the scene. Mm -mm, that's not the thing The for the ending of it. And again, that's why I, I had to open the review with it because it's so powerful to see the rebel soldiers uh, make the sacrifice to save the plans. But it, what was so powerful about it is it was quintessentially Vader. It wasn't because part of me would have wanted to see like like suddenly Force Unleashed Vader uh, goes nuts and does some kind of crazy Force power we've never seen Vader use, right? But the fact that it was just him walking in there and just slaughtering, like it was, yeah, it was. Mm. And I I love the scene when his ship gets away and him standing there. I'm like, oh. I could see an unleashed figure of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what did did you guys get the sense in watching this that Vader was palpably unhappy? Like he had moments of like this sort of a dark glee in making Krennic suffer or in threatening Krennic. But did you get mm -hmm. this sense that 
other than just doing his job and being kind of evil. Well, this one that Vader, there there are a few moments where he was just where it's just like he's existing and doing his job, machine like. Mm-hmm. Like you get this sense mm-hmm. that he's. Just... I don't know. He hasn't lost his. Uh, as this one's for Suara in the chat. Uh, he hasn't lost his sense of humor. <clears throat> Be careful, you don't choke on your ambition. <laughs> get it? Yeah. Because I'm well, choking you. You think death. about the fact that Tarkin pulls that shady maneuver and takes the Death Star project oh, back what after it's successful. Let, I mean, that me adds to Vader's hatred for him because Vader knows Krennic was the one that was doing all the good stuff. Mm. So I was like, I'm like, oh, there's some added tension to that relationship. Oh, dude. Like, yeah, because in A New Hope, now we know that when... <laughs> it's like, that's enough, Lord Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Imperial Senate will no longer be concerned of ours. I'm Lord Tarkin. You prefer a military target? The <laughs> name this is. All right, let's throw back to the old episode that we did of Geek Out Loud. Uh, go listen to Steve Glosson. He's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, it, it, but here, more importantly, Tarkin's an outright punk, an aristocratic, yeah. spoiled power hungry punk and what we know is that vader at this point uh in a new hope now knows it he knows that tarkin had nothing to do with the construction of the death star that he literally showed up it's sort of like (laughs) you know what tarkin is the absentee father he just shows up at prominent (laughs) community events with his kids and pretends he's a good dad he just like shows up to the emperor and says yeah it's going great uh death star is going great and it's excellent lord tarkin you know, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> it just really cracks me up the way the dynamic of Krennic, who's poured his heart and soul up, working his way up the in, in the imperial ranks, and then uh, finally, finally, it has his chance to show off his baby. He he built his toy and he wants to show it off to the world, and Vader's like, nope. Vader's all like, no, no, that's not how he says it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Tarkin totally co-opted that, but I didn't see that as being spoiled. That made Tarkin a more dangerous villain for me because he successfully took it from Krennic in a very bold power move and it worked. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The weapon I first suggested would be mine to control again. You're like, oh, you know, oh, I was- he just... I once oh. thought the uh, I once thought the idea of the airplane was excellent, so I took one from the Wright brothers. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> basically that. Um, <laughs> he's like a copyright thief. He's just like, you know what? I like this thing. I'm gonna take over. Um, yeah, that's that, that is such a core part of the motivations of Krennic as well. And so it, you know, we talk about perceptions, Riley. And mm-hmm. one thing I wanted to touch on real quick was the title itself. You know, we were always wondering what Rogue One was going to mean. We see the mentioning of Bodhi going, you know, uh, uh, Rogue One. I've had that shuttle from Diecast all this time. It was never called Rogue One. It was just Imperial Shuttle. I'm like, I've got the Rogue One. I turned to Taylor when I realized that. Yeah. I was like, I, I'm so excited. I've got my own little toy for this movie. That's actually the ship. And now I can pretend to blow it up as many times as I want. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, that it's it's awesome. Also, by the way, just as a small aside, uh, I made a purchase and it wasn't very financially responsible. I finally got suckered in <laughs> and paid for the season pass to Battlefront just to play the Scarif level because it's so good. Nice. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I feel like maybe we should talk about a few more of the characters. <laughs> Probably. This is going to be an interesting How about Bodhi? Let's talk about Bodhi and when he gets to that alien that... Uh, 
latches on and, and the fact that Saw seems so crazy at this point and also more machine now more than machine man. Now than man. Uh, mm. Twisted and breathing, barely. And fanatical. Uh, well, twisted I, and fanatical. You know, it's it's a very obvious uh, I gotta, play on the machine man thing because you have two people, one on the side of the Empire and one on the side of the general rebellion movement. You could say. And both of them are uh, taking actions that are not exactly... Unicorns yeah. and rainbows and positivity. Well, and you could restraint. say there are there are villains on both sides. Uh, yeah, it's how do you? I had a question. How how do you get Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker. Like, let's think. Uh, let's let's roll through. Who's the well, highest? You say we're doing a Star Wars film and we'd like you to be in it. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's that's a good point. But well, see, I didn't like Forrest, so for me, this was like my actual. Remember we talked – I hadn't seen many Forrest Whitaker movies, so this was my real first time. And but, you were right, man. I got to go watch that Scottish King thing because the way his voice projected the words and the emotion that he came across – like, are you here to kill me? Like, I, dude, I, I got choked up by that. I was like – I didn't feel like he was Saw Gerrera anymore, but I think the fact that he's going to show up in Rebels, I, I'm looking forward to that transition now more yeah. than ever because I want to know how he ended up like that. To the point where he's like, I'm done running. Like, yeah. what was he doing that he was so fanatical? Bogolit, Bogolit, yeah. I'm Saul Guerrero. <laughs> That's my Well, opinion. and, and you, you <laughs> almost sorry. certainly have this. So the rest of the rebellion at this point has not gotten into an open, out-and-out -out war with the Empire. I mean, they have soldiers. They have pilots. And there's, I'm sure there's been some guerrilla conflicts. But they haven't had battles yet. But Saw Gerrera has. You get the sense that he's had years of being fanatic in taking uh, on the Empire. And when you directly take on the Empire, even if you do it guerrilla style, your people are going to suffer. You're going to have people who get captured and tortured, who leak your base, and then you have half of your people killed. And I'm just, I'm just guessing, but it makes sense that anywhere where you see a guerrilla or rebellion conflict against a central government that is extreme as well that that's just going it's just going to be nasty and i mean in the real world aleppo is the worst and most recent example of that and guess see, what and those we're gonna see this too. in rebels mm -hmm. yep i bet Saw's group had those X-Wings that they had in the toys that I couldn't find. They only saw – I was waiting for those that paint scheme, and we only saw it once, and it was crashed. And it added to that paranoia he had, like, spies, lies, deceptions. Like, Deception. I, I, I just felt like, man, there is a guy that has just been destroyed by yeah. the the dogging of the Empire, you know, on the, his heels the entire time. I mean, at this and point... That hope coming back was kind of cool to see. Save the rebellion! Save the dream! Save the dream! Oh, that, the save the dream line, that choked me up big time. But, but you have this character who is so paranoid that he thinks that the woman that he raised, almost like his own daughter, has come mm -hmm. to kill him. Like, he's yeah. he's not surprised. At That's all. where I started to get choked. Yeah, yeah, it was. Mm, that was tough. That was tough. That was a. Um, that was a tough one. But we did kind of lead off with Buddy Rook. I really liked. I really liked the idea of. Again, I kind of in reflection. I kind of it would have been great to see the scene where he. You know, they always say in movies, "Show don't tell," uh, and mm -hmm. that would have been a great moment to see him defect and why he defected. But maybe they thought that would be too similar to what we just saw with the Force Awakens. 
when we see Well, it'd be Finn. too giving for Galen because the whole point of Galen is, do we trust him? Is this a trap? And if we saw that, then we would all know and we wouldn't That's take it true, for granted. You, you don't know? know whether to trust what he's saying when you first watch. Yeah. That's a good point, Mark. You know, Because from the Rebellion's point of view, they're like, well, clearly she's lying. She's just trying to save her dad. Mark, and it's, that was me. when when that recording was lost, I was like, oh man, she is screwed. Mark, there is no way she's going to be able to save her dad now. Definitely. Definitely. Mark, I, I want to extend my compliments to you. Uh, 15 years as a hardcore EU fanatic because we do an excellent, excellent retconner. Uh, that makes perfect <laughs> sense now. Yeah, it's no. true. Huh. Yeah. It's almost as if like uh, people who, I don't know, make movies for a living made this thing and did a pretty good <laughs> job. Uh, and they were like Star Wars fans as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've uh, so we've talked about uh, Bodhi, we've talked about Bays and Sheard, we've talked about Jin, and we've touched on Cassie and Andor. But let me I, I believe Bruce, he's one of your favorites, right? Well, he was in that first scene oh, because yeah. that was so unexpected. I didn't expect that. Now, if George gets hold of this film, he'll have the other guy shoot first. <laughs> but uh, I really did like, I, I thought that really added a new dimension, not just to him, but also to the rebels that they, you know, sometimes they have to do things they don't want to do. And it's not always something that's nice. And it's always not the right thing. Yeah. Ethically. Well, yeah. And that's the fun. That's the weird challenge with that scene is just to see Cassian so coldly make one man feel like zero. Well, and that's that's the intelligence division there. Oh, I like that though. Oh, that was <laughs> you slick. see it? Get it? Uh, get it, Mark? Yeah. All right, all right, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that that, <laughs> that you sounds like something that dumb. Intelligence I groups. It was almost like we were watching the rebel intelligence go up against the imperial intelligence. I mean, think about the death troopers. Like they were weird, and and someone in the chat mentioned they never missed, which which was a good point. They oh didn't yeah, miss. those things are freaky. Yeah, but. There is a, a a a cutthroat mentality in the intelligence agency. I mean, you know, the general wanted to kill Galen. We we can't let him work on this anymore. You know, we watch Andy and kill that guy because basically the guy couldn't climb out of the hole. Had the guy been able to climb out, I'm sure he would have let him live. But yeah. we can't let these plans fall into the wrong hands. And, yeah. and that's, that's a theme that I, I like the Mark, fact that they're able to put that specifically on that group in the rebellion. It's not all the yeah. rebels that are that way. Yeah, Mark, uh, bring us full circle because I know you got to bolt out here in just a second. Uh, so I want uh, we got to bring in the final character to kind of round out the character discussion. And of course, that's K2SO. Uh, tell everybody all about what you thought. And of course, uh, if you have to roll out of here, make sure, uh, let us know where to find you. Well, I liked K2SO. And now that I've finally seen him be called K so often that I'm going to stick with K, so I can't possibly call him a queso quesadilla anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to miss that. I know, I know. I, I think his intro right out the get-go was was an explosion. Uh, the way he grabbed Jin as he tried to escape and slammed <laughs> her on the ground, you're being rescued. Congratulations. Like, you're being uh, yeah, rescued. I, I missed enough of his stuff that that was still humorous. Like, I think, like, if you'd have been paying too much attention, he probably would have been the most underserved character because most of his stuff was the stuff that made it into the, you know, leaked stuff, the trailer stuff and all that. Um, but seeing that juggernaut, like, one right above my head back there in live action, like, mm -hmm. I always get tickled by that. Love oh. juggernauts. That was great. But Queso getting... <laughs> I did it for you anyway. <laughs> K2 getting the, uh, the blaster from Jin, and he's like... I can't remember exactly how he put it, but he's like, you constantly surprise me or something like that. I was just like, I really like in their relationship here. 
And when he's standing at the doorway of the vault and he locks the vault and makes his sacrifice, like I said, mm. that was the beginning when I realized yeah. that, you know, this is uh, this is that that ramping uh, up of everything going bad. Yeah. Right. I realized that too. The I, did. I didn't. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second because I do have a point, but sorry, you're saying Mark? The fact that that he had built up to that point where he was like, you know, yeah. I know that you guys can do this. You get, you know, I, he gave them everything they needed and he had that quirk that allowed him to say what he meant or, or whatever came to his mind. And he was like, you know, you guys need to do this. I'll sacrifice myself. I remember looking over at my daughter in that moment. Cause like Bethany said, that was my second watching. So I could peel away for a second. And she was just like jaw slowly dropping. Like, are they killing the droid? And to see her have that emotional reaction for a droid, I that warmed my heart on so many levels because yeah. I love droids to no end. I mean, when I was watching A New Hope this morning, I was like, man, it could have easily been Chopper. You know, I mean, just to, to think about where the Tantive Four was sitting on that main capital frigate, they could have easily had the dock be filled with the ghost and we could have had Chopper been the one and it had been Sedula instead. Like, I was just thinking about all those things they could have done and things that could have done differently now that Star Wars has become this big, giant universe that's more than just one movie that spawned it all off mm -hmm. but now i go back to that one movie and i'm watching it in new ways and i'm like man this movie has has just enhanced this franchise in so many ways and that for me you know that's the key element of the expanding universe and what i loved about it and having the films do that and 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 pick and and draw in all these elements from the clone wars and rebels and stuff and make it all part of it that was just ah the, the icing on the cake man oh absolutely absolutely so you got to get out of here man yeah, with that, I'm out to watch it for the third time, guys. I, <laughs> I don't want to make you, you late. Spoil the heck out of yourselves. Uh, Texas, if, if in fact, if you have anything fun happen on the way while we're finishing up the recording, uh, uh, particularly like what Katie's thinking, I don't know how much she's been spoiled or not, but let us let us know what the experience she's is like. She's avoided it all. She, ah. uh, every time I've talked about it, she'll walk out of the room. She does not want to know anything. In fact, when I did the one, uh, the reaction trailer, which I'll make. Uh, public for everybody here in a second she was mad she's like don't spoil anything i'm like i put it on the post spoiler warning i said it right at the beginning come on girl <laughs> so she bailed right away so she didn't hear half the comments i made to her she'll have to watch it later <laughs> but with that guys all right may the force of others be with you oh thank you mark uh, as Farewell, always mark. Uh, so long see you later we'll see you uh, <laughs> nice. i'll beat her saying goodbye um i'll tell you what guys it's it's always a pleasure to have mr mark hurlman on you can follow him on twitter as well you should uh, at Illogical Rogue 2. Uh, actually, we're, as, as I get the parting shot, we're seeing Mark put on the coat to, to prepare himself for the cold winds. We'll see ya. It's, you'll freeze before you reach the third marker. All right. You got that right. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. All right. Um, that's it, folks. Uh, Mark's out of here again. Illogical Rogue 2 on Twitter. And most importantly, seriously, he has a great, great, great um, uh, reaction uh, Facebook stream on his Facebook profile. So I think, uh, go search that out because I think he has it public uh, for sure. So the one and only Mark Herleman, folks. Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about Star Wars. Uh, the K2SO scene. That's the beginning. I think this is where we'll, we'll, we'll process. It's going to be community therapy, everybody. We're going to process. Is this the part where we start crying? The final 30 minutes of this movie uh, because it's going to be kind of tough. So while I adjust the, the shot here cause, uh, to fix it for the Facebook page, uh, Bethany, I want you to walk me through that first death and specifically what I definitely leaned over to you and whispered on that first screening. <laughs> <laughs> So the death happened, and if I remember correctly, and I was so mesmerized by the viewing, there's another one word, reaction, 
Uh, <laughs> and Riley's like, and so it starts or something like that, where he was basically telling me that this is where he thought oh, that the characters. Oh, I definitely down. had like a real, because yeah. I said this on the podcast at Star Wars night several times. So I, I just have to at least take partial credit and be terrible and say that. Yeah. I definitely leaned over to Bethany and was like, uh, here it begins. There's the first one. <laughs> because the way they shot it, it was so beautifully done, the sacrifice. In fact, you know what? He might as well have just said, I'm a leaf on the wind. All right, there's a reference to <laughs> by Firefly people. Uh, no, it was so beautifully done that um, it's the it's the most, uh, yes, in the way it's shot, it's the second most powerful death. Uh, it's next to me. It's only after, uh, you know, Cassian and Jin's death. But, the way they shot, and we'll talk about them in a second, but the way they shot K2SO made him made me like him and feel much more sad the way he died. Uh, I felt more sad the way he died because he was such a likable character yeah. because he was fun. And usually if characters, if there's some fun to a character, I seem to connect to them more and I care about them more. So a, tra a death to someone like that hits me more than it did with Cassian and Jin. Because, yeah. you know, we really didn't get to see a fun side of them all that much. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, it was not the death that made me cry. It, it was not the most impactful one for me. But it definitely, there was a change in the momentum of the movie. We shifted into the last act of the film, I yeah. think, with that death. And it, it shifted the mood, too, because you're, you're right. The character who is unintentionally a fair amount of the comic relief in the film is, is just gone. And he sacrifices himself bravely and without a word, without a complaint, without any grand gestures... He's just gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The lights went out mm -hmm. in his eyes. Oh. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I'm just going to. That's all. I can't do it anymore. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, it was hard. It was. Um, yeah. And in fact, it was the second viewing where it happened so quickly that the, the, the pace in which the, the character deaths take place, it's so complete. It's so relentless. It's so uh, heartbreaking. But. It was. It happened so fast on the first viewing. I didn't even really process it all. Like yeah. the true tragedy. It's the second viewing where, like, I realized how quickly, like, Bodhi Rook grabs his thing, sprints across, sprints back, barely gets the thing plugged in. Boom, he's dead. We don't have any time to mourn. We don't have any time to really uh, uh, appreciate what's just happened. Yeah. And then boom, we're back to Baze and Shirit. And it's just like one after another. It's so relentless. It's very similar in a lot of ways to. Um, well, it's similar in pacing to Order 66 from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And but, I will say, Revenge of the Sith is the only other Star Wars movie I've cried in. Yeah. Well, and the similarity is is there as terms of pacing. The similarity is not there in terms of the, the music or the pace. Like, we take a moment. Like, I've never... Who would have thunk that, like, I would be, I would be like, as, as tragically... Depressed as I was watching Kiati Mundi bite the dust in Revenge <laughs> of the Sith, and yet, and yet, it's the sort of counterscore in Revenge of the Sith that makes at least let you breathe and pause for the true tragedy of it. Whereas here, it's just, it's just relentless. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it is, but 
this is probably the this is one of the other little complaints I have, which isn't big, but I didn't feel an emotional connection to most of these characters. So when it happened, it didn't choke me up. It wasn't like Revenge of the Sith. I felt it. Yeah. When I watched Revenge of the Sith. So when Plo Koon goes, that's just, mm, the waterworks. Just not. <laughs> it yeah. is, but it's actually kind of true, though, right? When, yeah. when Plo Koon bites it, you're just like, ooh. Yeah. Well, Aaron, Aaron Goins, our, our, our good friend and one of the hosts of the Bookworms show, uh, said in the chat that he thinks the reason why K2's death is so impactful, like especially why it got to you, Bruce, so much, is because he doesn't just disappear in, a, you know, a blaze of glory. He is—he doesn't just fade into an explosion or get swallowed up by light that is essentially an, like what on our Earth would be a nuclear blast. You see oh, him that was a... get torn apart. You see him uh-huh. as his body starts smoking and there are holes in him. That's and so true. you see this and it's, it's a very... It, Gruesome and it's horrible a death. Long death yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. That's a good point, Aaron. Good job. Yeah. 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 As we get more depressed. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Nathan's pointing out in the chat that K2 was the only character who also died actually in the act of currently saving someone. Although I would disagree. Well, I, I don't know. Bodhi died in service of the plans and getting yeah. the uplink. And Chirrut died in service of the thing. And Baze was just like... Uh, well, he the, got shot a few the, times. The, the intergalactic equivalent of just saying, screw this, I'm, <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to take the gun. Big gun. I have a big gun. A big gun. Big gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's and, and so it is rapid fire. And then let's... Um, I don't even know where to take it other than I think we just have to go straight to come full circle, guys. The circle is now yeah. complete. And return to the last uh, few scenes. Um, Chirrut's death. Oh yeah, we do have to touch on that because yeah, that that like I say, I'm he one did with the force, and the force is with me. Yeah, and it it does show the the favor of the force in the way that he um, uh, sacrifices himself, but only after the he gets to the switch. And I feel like that's probably one of the best. Um, one thing about a new hope that's so brilliantly done is the fact that you have all of the plot lines, all of the tension, all of the story, Ben Kenobi's death, Luke Skywalker coming into his own and trusting the Force, the fate of the Rebellion, the fate of the galaxy, all hinges on this one moment of whether or not uh, he could hit hit the entranceway of the Death Star just like a bullseye Womp Rats on his T-16 back home. And then all that, all that focal point comes into a kind of singular focus. And the thing about Rogue One is it's different but the same. The ending of Rogue One is is a avalanche, right? It's just a tumbling uh, avalanche. Like <laughs> I'm just thinking of like the Calvin and Hobbes snowball <laughs> you would read in some of those old comics where it just like it gets bit the impact gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more it's kicked off by K2SO and with each character death it leads to the next moment as they try to save the plans and you have that one central theme saving the plans saving the cause saving the plans saving the cause and so each of these characters who've had their own journey their sacrifice means something as Bodhi gets the uplink as Chirrut uh, as Chirrut uh, takes on the um, the switch to get it uplo- uploaded, as even even as Krennic, uh dies in trying to stop them, it it all services this just headlong tilt towards Vader, 
and his final attempt to shut it off. Yeah. And there's it's it's almost like it's like this closing do- closing door, this closing window of opportunity that the entire plot of the film and the entire momentum of the film is just waning. And it's like getting the oxygen sucked out of you as you watch this final act. I was like, Bethany, you and I were both like just yeah. gripping the edge of our seats so tight. And like, we know the Death Star plans will make it, right? We know yeah. it, but it doesn't matter <laughs> because it's so, we're so wrapped up in this just torrent, this path uh, to the very end. And as the light is about to about to cl- go silent as 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 the as if light goes silent but you know what i mean as as as, as, as the, the waning about to be opportunity like you it barely escapes and it's just like you barely get that <sighs> that you can just barely breathe at the end of the movie uh and, well, and, and, and it, then there you these are these deaths lead into as you've touched on the vader killing the rebel scene and the the importance that I don't remember exactly who we were talking to, but the importance that these rebels are the one in the end who it's not a random Jedi. It's not a, you know, hardcore warrior monk who's blind. It's not our hero and main character in the end who all save the day, but it's all of them working together and all of the nameless rebel soldiers that we see who, even as they're being, um, just ripped to shreds by Vader, and that would be terrifying. That would—I mean—that's terrifying to watch in a film that you know isn't real. Uh, but to—to to, if you place yourself in the rebel's shoes, they are standing up to Vader, and in order to protect the person running, and that the these plans get passed from rebel to rebel as they're getting slaughtered, uh, in order so that the person running with the plans can make it with the plans because it's the plans that are important and we see their fear and we see some of them flee but they sacrifice themselves for the plans and it leads from the sacrifices of our main characters and our heroes to the sacrifices of each individual rebel soldier and it's counterscored so well i'm just gonna take just a brief moment to talk about how insanely brilliant michael giacchino is like specifically how he gets straight up revenge of the Sith Vader. We don't hear like the Don, Don, Don. No, we hear the full on choir. How revenge of the Sith is that sound? I just love that that was the element of Vader that we see. And so that, like, when I talk about like uh, the light being snuffed out, that's why you hear that. And it's. so good. All right. I'm going to shut up. All right. I had to yeah. Do, sorry. I had to do it. Whoops. Cassian. <laughs> we're all so excited. I'm getting all excited. We're, um, we're, we're pumped now. I'm yes. glad Disney gave them notes to add all that to the end. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's what I think happened. The, uh, the Cassian and Jen death scene. Ah. Uh. The music. Oh. It, the uh. music was so good. The setup was so good. But the thing that I loved the most, and several people in our chat commented on this, the thing that I loved the most was that Cassian and Jen obviously had fallen in love with each other. They obviously had a very strong connection. Like you would imagine if they had continued on, if they'd made it out of there alive and kept going on in the rebellion, you know, you'd think that they would immediately get married. 
uh, at least that was how I took it. See, I wasn't too sure. I wondered about that. I mean, I thought there was a connection there. The, remember the scene in the elevators? They're going down and yeah. the lights flickering on their faces. Like the way that they're looking at each other and the way that especially that they're holding each other. It's not because they're just injured. Right. No. They're, they're, they're holding on to each other. Well, and I, I want to back... What's a movie without romance, right? Yeah, so. exactly. And I think that, um, in fact, but, just in the I, chat, chat a minute ago... Yeah, yeah. This is what I wanted to point out. Go ahead. Oh, no. I, I, I don't remember who was in the chat because I've just been kind of keeping an eye, but um, I believe it was Justin... Yeah, it was, it, there wasn't any kissing. There wasn't any... Yes. There wasn't, like, a sweeping romantic moment for the film because I think it would have been out of place. It would have been different than the story that was being told, which again is the cause. But what the connection they had, be it romantic or not, was such a um, heartfelt one, especially towards the end. It happened very quickly, to be honest. Like it, it really did. It, it, they, we didn't have time to really fully see it. But even just in the final scene of them together, um, we, we see their connection. And more importantly, we see again, there as the acceptance that they're going to die. They don't have any time to be with each other. Yeah, and it and and just seeing that sequence and the kind of setting of the uh, <laughs> the very exciting sunrise. <laughs> that was <laughs> if I were to put it one way. Uh, You're so that, mean. I know that's. Uh, but seriously, like just to see the you know their fate sealed and their final tender moments together is so powerful and also in the way it's scored like i'm playing in the yeah. background here but what you're hearing giacchino do right here is just score it in almost a traditional almost like pirates of the caribbean romantic viol string violins uh i just want to play just a brief moment we're going to do like a full score at some point but just listen to the brilliance And, and Some guy named Aaron Goins in the chat just pointed out that impending death can mess with your feelings. And more importantly, he was glad that they didn't Aaron, go for like so a, cynical. <laughs> a, a deep kiss at the end. of the, Yeah, because yeah, like a kiss would have been so out of place. And, and you see this in other movies where it's like, yeah. OK, we're going to die. So what's the first thing on our mind? Making out. Well, yeah, it gets so like, cheesy. What? It yeah. really yeah. does get cheesy. It does. It, it's it, like, oh, OK, yeah, they have to them, kiss. It's yeah. just it's a very it's almost, gentle. But that's never animal. happened in a Star Wars movie where they think they're about to die and then kiss. <laughs> you know, it would be interesting to find out if they really did kiss and they edited that out. Ooh, yeah, that would be. See, that would be but yeah, I don't so it's think just so, like, I love that there's there's a fact they have a connection. It's not an acknowledged one. Yeah. And so all that they're doing in the end is accepting their fate, accepting the fact that they just did all they could to save the galaxy. And they simply just, they hold hands briefly and then right before they're killed, they hug each other. And that hug is is not necessarily romantic. That is a, we are both going to die. So yeah. Well, and then I wondered, is it that they find out that they're brother and sister? <laughs> <laughs> and I was about to like let the music rise again as we appreciated the poignant point that Bethany just made. And you ruined it. I'm doing it anyway. Ah. Like Ooh, and I loved that Krennic died. 
The, uh, <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm so glad. I love the way you said that. <laughs> you have no idea how happy I was to watch him die. I was just like, miserable oh, yes. power. I don't uh, know if he's really dead. I mean, <laughs> oh, come on. Well, I mean, hey, if Ponda Baba survived, you go. Can. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just like, uh, you, as you looked at him, he, like he rose his head. And you see that look on his face when he sees that the Death Star and the specifically the satellite is pointed right at him. And you see the green reflect in his eyes. Oh, yeah. I forgot like, about that. That was good. I also like right before that when Jen wanted to just kind of go at him when he was already down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cassian holds her back because this is a man that took her mother away from her and her father. Yeah. And even though he was down, she wanted to just go after him just one more time. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it makes sense because even though they're about to die and, and even though all of this stuff is happening, it makes sense for her to get very personal in that moment. And yeah. I again, I love the fact that Jen in some ways is a more murky or more flawed main character when it comes to morality and motivations. Yeah, no, it, it's it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie, folks. Uh, I really like this movie. You, you <laughs> like? He said, looking awkwardly at the camera. You like Star Wars? You like? Uh, you like Star Wars? Uh, because uh, we do. I just want to say, because I don't know if we're wrapping up yet, we're but I have there. to get this in. All right, yeah. Quick, bring cut us. Riley off so we can talk more. <laughs> turn, turn off Riley's mic because I want to talk. I wanna, I'm taking over the show. Yes. I, Tarkin was crazy good because here's the thing when this movie, i've heard i've heard like strong no, opinions on both no, listen, sides here. listen to me now i'm going to <laughs> listen to me preach now have faith in me so because this movie's all about faith the church of tarkin begins now so you know when this movie was announced my first one of my first thoughts was too bad peter cushing isn't alive because yeah Tarkin needs to be a part of this movie. And I thought, well, maybe they'll work him in as like a hologram in one scene, you know, just like a little cameo thing. But he was an integral part Mm -hmm. of this movie. And whether you think the CG was perfect or or a little off or not good or whatever, I heard someone in the audience come out to one of his friends after Mm -hmm. the movie and say, hey, isn't that the same guy that was in the original movie? They they brought him back. And he's like, and and his friend said, no, that he's dead. Yeah. That's a CGI. The guy didn't even know. Well, and uh, here's the point, guys, because I know exactly what you're thinking of as you're listening to this podcast right now. Stop your email, because this is the point, because we know all of this, right? As Star Wars fans, we know Peter Cushing is dead. We know the movie came out freaking 40 years ago. We know all of this. We know it can't possibly be there. Yes, there were some, like, lip sync issues. Like, there are all these specific things, but just in terms of an, an achievement in animation, it was a shockingly amazing moment when he first showed up. I looked over at Bethany in the first screening, and I was just like, holy cow. They did. They went there. Yeah. And certainly there are ways that they can improve it. And it's just hard. To, if you're not doing motion capture, it just doesn't look right. We just aren't there technologically. Yeah. But they went there anyway and did just a ridiculously awesome, awesome job doing it. Yeah, it was. Um, And, and I you know what? That's a testament because the every man I, I, I heard from people. Uh, we had lunch uh, with uh, Techno Retro Dad's own uh, Shaz Bazaar yesterday, and we, he was talking about people he saw in the movie who were who thought they were real. Yeah, yeah, and never didn't even realize it till the end. So his, his daughter thought that Tarkin was real; like she didn't realize that uh, it was not actually a human playing that role entirely. Yeah, yeah. no, it's yeah. a it was it was so well done. That's uh, that's just one of so many examples of the care and time they put into this yeah. film. But yeah, I I you know what? I can't help myself. I just I like it. 
I like it irrationally well. I I love this movie so much. Why? And and I don't know. I, I the it just hit me as a Star Wars fan, right, right in the old uh, heart. Right. It was just I I just came out of it uh, so in love with the uh, with the theme, with the cause, with with the hope. Built yeah. on by the faith and courage of these characters and their situations, and I love that you you touched on hope too. Uh, well, I mean, rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> of it's course, like you yes. prompted me for the best way to end this podcast because yes, I already see people in the chat when I alluded to it a minute ago. They're like, "No, it's got to stop." <laughs> no, unfortunately, or it, it does have to stop. It, it cannot go on. Sorry, guys. We uh, we will be back. That's the nice thing. We're planning a bunch of reaction episodes here on on the Star Wars Tonight and Star Wars Report crossover episodes we got interviews we got more character discussions a lot more to break down it's going to be a great time stay tuned to us right here at the star wars report listening to the incredible score The Guardians of the Will Suite This brings this episode of Star Wars Report and Star Wars Tonight to a close Thank you so much for tuning in Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for our full breakdowns coming soon at Star Wars Report Facebook slash Star Wars Report and Star Wars Report at gmail.com Bruce can be found at Admiral underscore Rex Bethany's Bethany L. Blanton and I am at The Riley Guy Enough plugs there. We appreciate you tuning in, and until next time, may the Force be with you. Remember the opinions that expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of Bruce Gibson, Gareth Edwards. And remember, if you ever want to save the Death Star plans from Darth Vader, well, <laughs> you're gonna die. You're gonna, uh, sorry, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be a thing. Sorry, guys. Until next time, we'll see you. <laughs> about uh, the movie where all the people die without this. No! That's all, folks! The music we'll see ya! It all. Uh, we're done. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> <laughs>